This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I just, as we was wrapping up our worship, I was praying, asked the Lord anything particularly He wants to say, start off with. And I just want to tell you mothers that have children that are moved to heaven already, that you can cry, but that's okay. Jesus has them. They're protected. They're not hurting. They're with Him. He's taking care of them. You'll get to see Him again someday. It's real. It's very real. Whether a person lives to be a hundred years old, it goes into eternity, or whether they don't really get to come into this earth yet because something happened before they got to be born, they're human beings that Jesus loves them, old or young, or in between, He loves them. And so our job, the Word of God, is for us that are living, so we can help people that are living today. And then at the same time, if you went through things and Jesus comforted you, then in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, things we went through that God helped us with, we can help other people going through them now. And so we all just want to do the best we can when we come to church to learn and to grow and find out more about Jesus. And, you know, as a pastor, I know the value of eternal things compared to natural things. It makes no difference if a person lives to be a ripe old age, has a billion dollars, all kinds of influence on the earth. If they die without Jesus Christ, they go to hell. And a person can live, never have anything, much of anything, and nobody will never know who their name is, but if they die with Jesus, they go to heaven. And so, in thinking about Mother's Day, as a pastor, my greatest thing I can do today is help moms to be better moms. Dads to be better dads, because, you know, I think about my wife and I, she didn't stand up for the most kids, she didn't have them in church anyway, but we've, we've got eight. And we, we love kids. And the longer I live, the more that I see that, that precious little baby, Eli, that, that Lee is holding, and all the little babies in here and things like that. It's like a story I heard one time. There's a guy taking a trip around America. He just wanted to see the cities and things. And he, he stopped at a town square and saw an old guy sitting there on a bench, you know, one of the old guys, sitting there on a bench. And he walked up and said, excuse me, sir, said, I want to ask you something about your city. Said, were there any great men born here? And the guy stopped by and said, no, just babies. And so I want to tell you, for where you are today, your babies are not just babies. Your young children are not just young children. They're going to grow up someday. And do you want your children to, to, to grow up to be the biggest gangster in California? That you see his picture on the front page of the newspaper, they're in prison. Or do you want your child to grow up to be somebody that had a positive influence on the people around them? Whether they get famous or not for the world, they're famous to God. And some, your children be somebody that influences somebody. Your children grow up dope-free, sexual sin-free, alcohol-free, been a shooter-free. That there's somebody that's nice people to live around, things like that. Well, I'm telling you right now, no matter where you are in life as a mother... To me, the greatest gift that you have right now for your children is influence. 
is influence. You know, I, I know that I've taught on influence before, and I not teach on that this morning, but I just think about some of the definition. Influence means somebody or something that affects the outcome or condition of someone or some situation. You influence things. And so we, as human beings, it makes no difference. It makes no difference what your background was. If you're at a church like this this morning, you're not where you used to be. You're in a different background. And, you know, I think about my life that uh, I was raised in a family that were alcoholics and bad people. But I had one Christian in my life that I know for sure growing up as a Christian. That's my Baptist grandma. My Baptist grandma took me to the Baptist church and all the grandkids would go with her that she could pick up. She'd take us to the Baptist church. I was thinking about grandma this morning as I come here for Mother's Day. Grandma had, I think grandma had like eight kids all together. Some of them went to heaven before I knew them. But she had a bunch of kids. And so every Mother's Day, I was there in church with grandma and they give out the prizes like we do. <laughs> this is really not going anywhere except it's just kind of funny to me. Remember my, my, my grandma, she'd take us and she had the most kids by that Baptist church except on Mother's Day. Had this one old woman on Mother's Day. She'd show up because they had good prizes. <laughs> and so Grandma got so frustrated. She'd look around and come walking to the little ground. Is she going to come this year? <laughs> and this old woman would come in and she'd get the prize not coming back again until next Mother's Day. But I was thinking this morning about Grandma. I was thinking, Grandma, the best prize that you got is you raised people like me, your grandchildren. You influence your grandchildren, and some of us got it. And so because my grandma, my grandma, in spite of my alcoholic mom and dad, and aunts and uncles, the rest of them, grandma come through that mess, would pick us up. Sometimes she'd pick us up on Saturday nights down the night at her house, getting us out of the mess. So we'd get up and go to church. And grandma took us to church, and that's way back in the 1950s. And now today, that influence of that one Baptist grandma today has sent me around the world influencing lots and lots and lots of people. And when grandma was taking me to church, it didn't seem to take right away. But when I was 27 and a half years old, all of a sudden it kicked in. And when it kicked in, I've been running ever since. And so what am I saying? I'm saying this. We're going to look at some things in the Bible today to help us as mothers and even as grandmothers and even as aunts. And even as young women that aren't even married yet, don't have children yet, that don't look at those little children and put toss them aside and you take care of you and just want to live the good life now. Because if all you're going to do is live the good life now and think your children are just little nobodies, they're just somebody that happens to be here like that, you're missing the whole program. Your children could be the next governor of California. Or how about a federal judge, Supreme Court judge? Anybody watched politics in the last year, how much influence these judges have? Just think about that. You can be sitting here. Come, you, you may have come out of a ghetto background, a bad drug background in your family, or things like that. Or maybe your life started off wrong, but now you belong to Jesus. And you can raise your children up serving Jesus, and God can put them in a position of influence in this nation. That would change the whole world because if you sit at a church like this this morning, hear the word of God taught, and then say it in your heart, that's for me. 
I'm going to live like that. I'm going to be that woman that the Bible says I can be. And then the impact it will have for generations, generations. And you may not even know it on this side of heaven. You get to heaven and then find out what your children accomplished in this life. And then Jesus looks at you. He says, well done, mom. He says, you get the main prize. You're a blue ribbon mom because of what you left behind you. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. How many need an outline of the sermon? If you didn't get an outline, you come in, raise your hand, and ushers right on top of that. But today we're talking about how to be, how to be a godly woman. And we're going to look at some things out of Proverbs chapter 31 to start off with. And I'm using the New Living Translation this morning. I've been highly influenced by my son, Pastor David Samples. <laughs> and so sometimes I use the New Living Translation. But it's really good. And a godly woman, you know, there's lots of probably fancy definitions we get. But to me, a godly woman is a woman that lives for God. A godly woman is a woman that has her moral values from the Bible, not Facebook. And whatever kind of other stuff they got there, I don't even know. I hear about a lot of the different things they got, social media things. But the Bible needs to be the guideline for a mother to raise her children and be the wife that has results on her husband even. Mrs. Pastor is writing a book right now, and uh, it's probably step on some toes, but the book she's writing is called Women, They Can Make You or Break You. Women, They Can Make You or Break You. If you don't believe that, go read the story of Judges about a man named Samson. <laughs> Pretty serious stuff. But any, anyway, anyway, a godly woman is a woman that has learned to let Jesus be Lord of her life, influencing her thoughts, her decisions, her actions. And, you know, there's, there's so much about the times we live in that, like I said, as a pastor, especially getting older, sometimes I can just talk from my heart to help people because I've got a heart for people. And I realize the times we live in, I made reference a while ago to the fact that my grandma took me to church back in the 1950s. Well, back when I was like 20 years old, when I was first married, grew up in the 70s, 1950s, wasn't that far away. But now here we are, well into the 2000s, and so now the 1950s is a long ways away. But back in the 1950s, 1960s, even up into the 70s, people got married. And even if they weren't Christian families, they had a certain amount of moral values they lived by. And so I realize now, as a pastor, not being critical or judgmental, but just observing, that I see through a different lens than a lot of people see through today. I see through the Leave it to Beaver lens. Anybody watch Leave it to Beaver? I see through the It's a Wonderful Life lens. Everybody see the movie It's a Wonderful Life? I see families... That were families according to the Bible. They were married. They had children. The dad helped lead us home. The mom worked with dad to raise the children. They had discipline. They called right, right, wrong, wrong. They didn't compromise. 
They led good examples for the most part, et cetera, et cetera. So I realized by the time I preached to people today, you weren't raised back in Believe It to Beaver days like I was. And so we have to be able to look at the Bible as a pattern to mold our lives by and not by maybe what we saw, how we were raised, because maybe we were raised in homes that didn't have dads and moms or didn't have dads and moms that knew what marriage was, according to the Bible. And so if that's the case, then we can make adjustments according to the Bible to be all that God wants us to be because we want our children to grow up to win in life. Would our children not to go through some of the places we went through? I think about my life when I was looking at this. I'll look at these verses in just a second because what I'm going to say, I got married the first time when I was 18 years old. And lady I married was 17 years old. What did we know about anything? I was raised by people who didn't know God. She was raised by people who didn't know God. And so we got married at that age. What kind of a chance did we have of success in marriage? It wasn't much at all. I know some people make it, but we didn't. And so I know that in my life, I purposed that my children, to the best of my ability, would know right from wrong according to the Bible and not go down the same roads I did. It wasn't, fl- it wasn't fun paying child support for about 20 years, yet not getting to love my children like I wanted to and see them. That wasn't fun. I want my children to do it right the first time. To be able to have their children, raise their children, and go through life being the influence they want to be on their children. So that's, that's, that's where I'm coming from. I want to show you from the Bible how to do it right so you won't go through heartache. And so you won't raise kids under you that go through heartache that you can say, wow, I remember what that service did for me. It changed my life because of what I heard and what I saw. Amen? Amen. And so Proverbs 31 I'm going to look just a few verses out of this, but this chapter basically, uh, you know, we, I, I mean, my wife and I for years have always called this the Proverbs 31 woman. Talk about a Proverbs 31 woman, how to be a godly woman. But I want you to notice this in verse 10. It says, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? A virtuous and capable wife. And I remember when I got born again back in 1980, I'd been divorced and I remember I was praying about my future. I was a young Christian, a new Christian. I was praying about my future. I already had two kids, divorced. And I remember, I don't know about any of you, but when you're hungry for God's new Christian, it seems like every time you open your Bible, it's a verse talks to you. I mean, you open the Bible, you know nothing about the Bible. I, mean, I knew nothing about the Bible. But when I had a hungry heart, and I still have a hungry heart, I open my Bible, God talks to me. I open my Bible, and I come to that verse there. I didn't know what a proverb was. I didn't know the Bible. I mean, you know, I know how to spell Bible, and that's about it. Holy Bible, that's about what I can spell. But I open up that verse there, and I've been praying about what am I going to do about my future, Jesus. I said, who can find a virtuous woman? And I about started crying. And I said, Lord, obviously I can. I tried, and it didn't work. And he told me, I can God knows, God knows where the good wives are, you guys that need a good wife. God knows where they are. You can't find them, but he can. And I've come to the conclusion of something in modern times. It took, me, it took me a while. I'm old school. It took me a while, but I finally found out that God can use anything. God, I find out God can use these sites now 
to get people with the right one. If you're in faith looking and you got somebody else's in faith looking, God can connect you off that. If you're looking for the right stuff, if you're looking for sex, it's not going to be God connecting you. If you're looking for just good looks, it's not going to be God connecting you. But if you're looking for the heart and the matchup God has you, it could be up having those other attributes I mentioned. Those come along with it too. But the main thing is God can find. And I've seen several good instances of God connecting people that were godly people on good sites because God's the one that knows where they are. Modern technology, you know, God's going to use what we got out there. And God's the one that gave people the smarts to make those things. And so God's the one connect you, but it's got to be God doing it. So he said, who can find a virtuous woman? I just want to say that I'm privileged and honored to be married to the most godly woman I've ever known. And I sincerely mean that follow my heart. She didn't get that way by chance. And when I was writing this out and looking at it, I was thinking about it. A couple of things about Pastor Janice that I've observed by knowing her. Number one, her family atmosphere growing up. The moral values of her mother, and I knew her grandmother. Her mother, grandmother went to heaven 30-some years ago, but I knew her grandma. The family was a very, very, very high-principled moral family. She was raised in that atmosphere. Her dad, the character he had, the morals they had, that influenced her growing up. And the role models they were. And her mom still is, was she 94? She'd be 95 this year. Uh, still driving her own car. Still living in her own house. And I pray over her when I visit, because I don't like to ride in her car if she's driving. But, <laughs> but, but she, nevertheless, she's still doing it. I mean, when I'm 95, I want to still be able to get in a car, you know, in Jesus' name. But anyway, great moral values. And then also, in observing Pastor Janice, she studied and allowed God's Word to change her and to dictate her actions in life, how she behaves. And, you know, if, if your mother's young women in here, take note of these things we're saying. The influence. And so that says for you as a mother, no matter where you are in life right now, you may not have had a good mother, good background, but you are one now. So you can create the atmosphere for your children. You can create the atmosphere in your home. You can listen to verses like we're looking at today. And you can say in your heart, you can say to God, I see that, Lord. I see that's for me. And with your help, with your help, Lord, I'm going to start changing to be like that person I'm seeing in the Bible. Amen? Amen. And so uh, it says then, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She's more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her. I like that. Her husband can trust her. That's a Proverbs 31 woman. Her husband can trust her. And she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And I know that before Pastor Janice came into my life, I had Proverbs 31 and the Amplified Bible on 3 by 5 cards. I read those every day. I said, Lord, I want to thank you. You're breaking this kind of woman across my path. You're breaking this kind of woman into my life that I can trust her. You're bringing this wife to me, Lord, that she'll do me only good and not harm. She'll be on my side. 
not taking sides against me. She'll be for me, not against me, Lord. I began to confess that in the Bible about the wife God was going to bring me, and he brought her to me. Glory to God. Amen. And I'm telling you, no matter where you are in life right now, you could have that kind of woman in your life, guys. And ladies, you could be that kind of woman. The Bible is God's pattern. I know that uh, Mrs. Pastor does so, and she's, I mean, man, she fits Proverbs 31 to the T. She still makes clothes for the kids, the grandkids. She makes stuffed animals, sends them for big bucks up to Alaska or Hawaii or Texas or around the country. I mean, she, she knows how to do it. She makes that stuff, but she always starts with a pattern. She buys the material. She buys the box or the package that comes in. It's got a picture. She lays it out. And then she gets her scissors out, gets her little pins out. She begins to draw things and cut things. She matches the pattern. The Bible is the pattern, ladies. We're going to talk to men in just a little bit, too. But the Bible is the pattern. The pattern is not on television. The pattern is not on Facebook. The pattern is not on the Internet. The pattern's in the Bible. When we look at the Bible and we see something's not lining up, it's like Mrs. Pastor. I've seen her so many times doing these patterns. She does a little snipping and cutting, and sometimes she cut it wrong, didn't come, et cetera, et cetera. I saw her make something a few weeks ago, and, man, I heard tongues going off. You know what happened? She made a great big old line of stitches and put them in the wrong place. So here comes tongues. So then here comes scissors. And taking them out or going down and starting all over again. So we have to know as Christians, sometimes when we miss it, we gotta pray in tongues. We gotta undo some of what we did. Then we look at the pattern again. Say, Wow, this is gonna light up the pattern. The pattern says, I do my husband good and not harm. The pattern says, I enrich his life. I don't cause him problems. I help him. Amen? Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. And I want to go to the end of the chapter so we keep on moving on. But I just wanted you to see some of this out of Proverbs chapter 31. It says this, verse 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity as she laughs without fear of the future. I'll tell you what, we've been through some times in the last... 35 years of marriage, this, this year will be 35 years. We've been through some times. We've been through some good times. And sometimes it seems like we look back a whole lot more bad times than good times. But glory to God, she laughed, I laughed. We came through things together, and here's where we are today. Children serving God, grandchildren serving God, living the life that God ordained we should have. But it's that woman right there and the strength she had from the Bible, from her upbringing, had a whole lot to do with it. It says, when she speaks, her words are wise, as she gives instructions with kindness. That's the pattern, ladies. Gives instruction with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. You know, I remember when I first married her for years and years and years and years. She's kind of slowed up just a little bit now, but I'm not going to tell you how old she is because I wouldn't be able to see her again. One time I talked about her age. I didn't see her for a couple of weeks. Then I could see her a little bit out of one eye. 
<laughs> but when I first married her, that woman for years and years and years and years, she would get up by five or six o'clock every morning, and she'd stay up to eleven or mid to midnight. And I thought, man, how's she doing this? Eleven o'clock midnight, she's still going like the Energizer uh, Bunny thing, man, going and going and going and going. But she's a Proverbs thirty-one woman. She stayed so full of Jesus and walking with Jesus. She had the energy to run and do that. Took care of me, took care of all the kids and everything else involved me. And everything she did, she watched her household, took care of her household. And I'm telling you, God wants you ladies to be able to be in tune with him. To stay, stay sharp and stay good. In modern times, modern times, I know with all the working women and all the things going on, it's a different world. But you can be what God wants you to be. And you can, you know, let the man think he's running things. <laughs> you know, women have got to be good at that. You let them think they're running things, but really you are. Because you're running them from your prayer closet. You're spending time with headquarters, and then headquarters is sending signals to the Holy Spirit. And then the man hooks up with us somewhere along the line. And I praise God for a praying wife. And I'm telling you, ladies, your prayers... To the Father, the name of Jesus will have more, more impact on your husband than all that you want to ever do. Amen. Doing better preach than you are shouting. Say it again. Amen. Now, here's, here, here's the pattern. This Proverbs 31 woman, her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. She's getting praised right now from her husband. Her children stood up right here in this church this morning and blessed her. And a lot of you other women, too. But this is the will of God for the children to have such respect for their mother that you better not talk about their mom in front of them. You know, they, they may not be as spiritual as she is. <laughs> you, know, you may get hurt. I know my Marine boy, Joe, you saw that greeting up there. And I tell you what, you don't want to, you don't want to mess with Joe's mom in front of Joe. <laughs> hey, bad that you know what a G.I. Joe is. <laughs> and then it, sa- it says, there are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty does not last. Mrs. Pastor would never confess that verse before. She said, oh, no, I'm not confessing that. My beauty's going to last. It's going to stay. Amen. It's worked. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds be publicly declared her praise. And so that's, that's the pattern. If we do our best to duplicate it, we'll become more like it. So for your, for your outline, God's description of a godly wife and mother is right here. This is God's description of a godly wife and mother. No woman starts out this way, but it's possible to develop many of these godly qualities. Whether it's little children just starting in life or older men and women, if we choose in our hearts to want to change our character and behavior, with God's help we can. You know, as Christian parents of this church right here, most of you know you can't just let your children do what they want to do. You can't, want to, you can't let them just eat what they want to eat, stay up as late as they want to stay up, run with who they want to run with. You know, you know that your children, without training, even in a Christian home, could turn out pretty bad if you don't condition things, keep them heading the right direction. Well, look at, look at your flesh like this. 
It's about your flesh. It's about your unrenewed part of you, your mind, your emotions, your part of you that isn't yet born again. Your spirit's born again, but your flesh is like your children. If you just let your flesh do what it wants to do, you're never going to be what God wants you to be. You have got to discipline how you think. You've got to discipline how you treat your husband. You've got to discipline how you help your children to learn right from wrong. You've got to discipline yourself first before you can do that. Mrs. Pastor has trained herself for years and years and years and years about how to be a godly wife, how to be a godly mother, and now how to be a godly grandmother. Well, I'll tell you what, she's an awesome grandma. Amen. And we have a lot of them in the church here, too. And you know, let, let me say something else for you mothers. I know something Mrs. Pastor and I learned over the years. I'm giving you nuggets today. If you want to learn how to be a more holy woman of God, hang around with holy women of God. Amen. And you know, I myself got off Facebook a few months ago. One time I say, hey, I'll get off Facebook. I just finally got tired of the garbage. But I got off of it. But from what I can remember, I'll tell you this. You are not going to learn how to be a holy woman of God with some of your Facebook friends. We're having a really good message today. I will probably preach maybe 45 minutes at the most about all I will go. But I remember my Facebook days, 45 minutes wasn't even warming up. How do you just get through the first bit of garbage? <laughs> and next thing you know, you've been on that thing for a while there. And then you hear a message like this 45 minutes once a week and wonder why you're like you are. <laughs> Amen. You know, I remember the stupid stuff all there, all the unfair. Can I get all these likes? Can I get all this dumb, dumb, dumb? I don't remember what all it was now. But the world does not need to know what you and your husband talked about this morning. The world doesn't need to know what a jerk your husband is. How rotten your kids are. <laughs> oh boy, I better get back to my notes. Oh, I'm getting some holy looks. No. What am I saying? The little bit of influence you have right here is going to be nothing if you've got a hundred times that more from the other side when you get out there. Amen. If you want to be a holy woman of God, if you want to be a Proverbs 31 lady, start hanging around Proverbs 31 ladies. Quit hanging around the losers. Oh, get back to the notes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. And so you can develop, you can grow, you can change. It's a choice. It's a choice. You've got to see things different. You've got to hear different things if you want to change. I'll tell you, uh, Mrs. Pastor, for the last 40 years, hasn't hung around people that do things that Jesus wouldn't like. She's hung around people that talk about Jesus Hung around people that talk about godly things, not ungodly things. She kept that in front of her eyes. And now because of that, 
Look at my beautiful daughter-in-laws in the front row up here. Amen. Look at my handsome sons sitting up here. I don't have to worry about where my boys were this week. I can predict the future of every one of my grandchildren, you right now. My grandchildren are going to grow up to be godly men, godly women. Some of them may even be preachers. Well, I thought they would all be preachers. No, I'm not God. God calls preachers, not me. Some of them may be godly businessmen. Some of them may be godly factory workers. Some may be godly military people. Whatever they do, I can predict the future of my grandchildren because I know their parents. And the reason these parents are here like this is because we were like that watching other parents that were like us. And as young Christians didn't know a whole lot because of the way I was raised, I had to hang around men at church. I went to men's meetings at church because I wanted to hear those men that walked with God teach me how to walk with God so I could be that way in front of my children. And then God, when God saw that I was going to be a godly husband, he sent me a godly wife. God wouldn't give her some loser, jerk for a husband. This woman loving Jesus and serving Jesus, he would have never sent me to her if I was who I used to be. I had to get in position for him to send her to me. And then when we got together, then Malachi chapter 2 says, I wanted a godly seed. Amen. I don't sound mean to him. I sound nice. Amen. What a help people. You know, that's, that's what this is all about. So anyway, how many of you ladies want to develop to be a Proverbs 31 lady? Amen. Mrs. Pastor, I think you and two others is all I saw. Wow. Boy, we got our work cut out for us. How many of you ladies want to be a Proverbs 31 lady? Raise your hand high. Amen. How many men have or would like to have this kind of a wife? Amen. And so I want to look at some New Testament instruction of how to be a godly woman. But before I look at that, I want to help you wives and mothers. I want to need to point out some godly advice for the young, young men in here. Young women, and also some stuff for the husband. Just real quickly, I want to look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And this is for you uh, young adults. And I want to say, you know, we have a lot of teenagers in here. And, you know, I don't know about you. I was a, I was a sinner teenager, so when I was a sinner boy teenager, I was thinking different things about girls than what you boys ought to be thinking about. When I was a sinner, I was raised by a sinner dad, and so I know I had a different goal when I thought about girls as a young sinner guy. But since this is all godly Christian young men in the church here, you have a goal in your heart. You want a godly woman someday. And you young girls in here, I know because it's godly Christian girls in here, you want a godly husband someday. And so I'm going to show you some advice here from the Bible of how to prepare yourself before we get around to the women part here, for the ones that are already married, it says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. This is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. You will have a long life on earth. And so, boys and girls, 
Preparation time is never wasted time. If you'll train yourself to honor, respect, and obey your parents, you'll be laid a good foundation for your future marriage. Amen. I'll tell you what. If you think your parents can be rough to live with now, wait till you get married. Amen. If you don't have the right hookup in marriage, if you don't know how to do some yielding, if you don't know how to do some adapting, if you don't know now how to do some things you don't want to do because somebody's telling you what to do, wait till you get married. Boy, it got quiet in this dead church. Amen. Let me let me just let me just ask you a question to the married people right now. Uh, how many married people could see whether good or bad what you were growing up you did bring into your marriage? Amen. What you were if you were a rebel, if you were a rebel and didn't want to obey your parents, wanted to sneak out, wanted to run around. Wanted to do things behind their backs they wouldn't approve of. How many know you brought that same attitude into your marriage? If you were a good son or daughter that obeyed your parents, didn't have to be perfect, but you were good kids. That you were willing to yield, you were willing to change, you were willing to adapt to be what your parents wanted you to be. If they told you to do something most of the time, you went ahead and did what they said to do. If you didn't like it, you did it. And then you brought that attitude into your marriage. How many can see that? That what you were is what you brought into the marriage. And so this is what I'm saying right now. We're talking to the young teenagers in here right now. We're talking to the young people that aren't married right now, but want to get married someday. If you will train yourself now to yield to those that God has authority over you now, that will help you be a better husband or wife later. This is training time. Amen? The Lord said to make sure I got that into you. But now I want to look at something for the husbands. Look at First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. You know, you can't do this really serious good stuff for the ladies if you don't help the other people first a little bit. Kind of got to even it up because enough band-aids to go around. First Peter 3, 7. In this New Living Testament. Says this. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. But I tell you what, I'll never forget. You know, I kind of have to wrap me out sometimes when I'm preaching because that's what I do. I use me for an example. I remember years ago when whatever we were going through, I, I got my little cards I put scriptures on. And I owned the First Peter 3-7 card. This is probably 25 years ago. And every time I read that verse, here's what come out of me. Give honor to the wife, not lip service. Honor, not lip service. I say, no, Lord, it says give honor. He says, says give honor, not lip service. Then I realized I was getting mouthy with my wife. I was getting too critical, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I had to work on that for a while. What was I doing? For a husband, that was a pattern. I looked at the pattern, and my life wasn't lining up. So I had to get the snips out, do some snipping on me. Had to do some stitching on me to where I got to where I shut the lip up and started giving honor instead of lip service. Amen. And so we as men, 
as women have to know, the Bible will change us if we let it. And so I become a better husband, no doubt. Did I become a better husband? Thank you. <laughs> it says, give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. She's your partner. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. And I'll just say this for married men. If you're a faith person and your faith's not working, one of the first things you better look at is how are you treating that gift from God? That's what the Bible says. And so husbands, if you want a Proverbs 31 wife, you better first be a 1 Peter 3, 7 husband. Man, that was worth its weight in gold. Say it one more time. Ladies, write this verse down for your husbands. But make sure you're treating them real sweet when you give it to them. <laughs> if you men want a Proverbs 31 wife, you better first of all try to be a First Peter 3, 7 husband. I, I want to read this little thing. I read it years and years and years ago. And uh, this, ought to be, this ought to be one of the little picture frames on your wall. I'll make one of the little plaques or something. Woman is said not to have been taken out of man's head to be lorded over by him, nor from his feet to be trampled on by him, but from his side to be equal with him, from under his arm to be protected by him, and from near his heart to be loved by him. Ladies, that was a good time to say Amen. Amen. Of course, that's out of Genesis chapter 1 when God took Eve out of Adam's side and began to make the woman. So always, always, husbands, always remember the number one rule is happy wife equals happy life. Amen. The number one rule. Amen. I think you guys are all feeding roast beef or chicken or tacos or something already. Amen. You get this. Does this help? Yeah, man. Happy wife, happy life. Now, ladies, no matter where you are in life right now, you can be a Proverbs 31 godly woman wife and mother. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3 right here. I'm going to read this and we'll make a few comments on it just, just to help you before we get to go out and celebrate this wonderful Mother's Day. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. I didn't say that. I just read it. It's in the Bible. Amen. That even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. God said that, said your lives will speak to your husbands without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. A gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. We're looking at a pattern right here. He's showing you how to be beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters. Would you do this? Would you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do? And so, so Bible facts to know from this verse is, number one, you are, you are a daughter of God first before you're anything else. Amen. 
You've got to see yourself, first of all, as you belong to God, number one, before your husband. And you should always endeavor to what to please Jesus in how you dress. I better stop right there. Amen. You know, maybe, maybe some of those selfies you're taking, maybe when you take some of these selfies, you ought to look up to Jesus and say, Jesus, before I post this, does this look pretty to you? Ouch. Woo. How you talk. Maybe you should say, Jesus, before I push send, before I push like, Jesus, does this please you? I'm your daughter. Your attitudes, your attitudes in life are going to affect the world around you. And so, you should always endeavor to please Jesus and remember how you talk to your husband should be how you want to talk to Jesus. Wow. Number two, if you're married, you're a wife first and then a mother or grandmother. A wife first, then a mother or grandmother. This is God's divine order of things as taught in the Bible. And so, I want to close. There's so much comment I can do on that, but it's Mother's Day. I'll get you out of here. But just lay that out there for you to see, that when you begin to get things in order the Bible way, the blessing comes on the home. Amen. Amen. You've got to always remember, ladies, your husband was here before the children. When the children move out, your husband's still going to be here. Amen. And so you and your husband, verse 7 says, are heirs together of the grace of life. Husbands and wives need to be a team. If you've got disagreements about how you're raising the children, don't air it out in front of the children. Close the door and talk about it. Stay in unity, stay in agreement with what you're doing. And so that's what he says here. You've got to focus on this inward, not the outward. And, and, and because this is the main thing we're going to close with, I've got to read this so we can close it. In the Amplified Bible, verse 3 and verse 4 says this, Let not yours be the merely external adorning with elaborate interweaving and knotting of the hair, the wearing of jewelry or changes of clothes, but let it be the inward adorning and beauty of the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, which is not anxious or wrought up, but is very precious in the sight of God. So the bottom line of this whole passage right here, to be the godly woman God wants you to be, ladies, don't neglect your outward appearance. Make yourself as pretty and attractive as you can for your man. Dress up nice. Put nice stuff on your face. Fix your hair up nice. Look good. But what he's saying is this. Spend more time with Jesus and your, with your Bible open allowing the Holy Spirit to bring out the beautiful woman you are on the inside. That's the bottom line of this whole sermon of what God gave me the other day to preach. He said, let the ladies know. Don't spend so much time on the outside that you neglect the inside. If you would spend, if you would spend 
half as much time working on your inside as you are on the outside? Wow. What a change in this life it would be. So all I can say is happy Mother's Day, mothers. Dads. Sons, daughters. Treat these women like a queen today. And tomorrow. And Tuesday. And Wednesday. And Thursday. You treat them like a queen. And they're going to treat you like a king. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.